This is how we overcome the moving on the kingdom. Reaching to the world's arms open, arms open, yeah. This is how we practice Welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Steve. I'm Sarah. And I'm Erica. So friends, our most recent series was about things that you think are in the Bible, but aren't. And so we have recently, as of just last week, started a brand new series that are, is pretty similar, but instead it's taking a look at some of our favorite hymns and taking a look at how they draw from the scriptures. Um, and so not at all the same, but like similar-ish. Yeah. So that's what we're doing this summer, though, is we're taking a look <laughs> at hymns and what scripture verses are they drawing from? So what hymn are we going to look at today? So today we're going to look at one of my absolute favorites. And I, I can't pick just one favorite. I have like a list of 10 that is number one in my top 10. Um, but this is definitely on that list. Here I am, Lord. Um and before we were recording, we were talking about how, um, for my Lutheran colleagues, you have to at least, in most senates, you have to at least consider this to be part of your ordination service. As a Methodist, I did not get to really choose the hymns at my ordination service, um, but it does connect back to um, back when I was a lay person. I went through lay ministry school in the Methodist Church, and that's when I first fell in love with this hymn. But it it comes the refrain of it comes from Isaiah 6, 8. And the beginning of Isaiah, it starts off in the year the King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And Isaiah sees this great image of the heavenly throne room. And he realizes he's not worthy to be there and um, has this conversation back and forth with an angel, with an angel or seraphim um, that puts coals on his lips. And then God says to him, you know, I'm looking for somebody to send to go tell my people, basically. I'm paraphrasing. And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. Mm -hmm. And that's the refrain of this hymn. Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. And in each verse, it's a couple um, rhyming phrases that's talking about I, the Lord of this and that. You know, I'm the Lord of sea and sky. I have heard my people cry. Um, all who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I, the Lord of snow and rain, I have borne my people's pain. It's talking about God's care, his his passion, his, his hurt at times for his people and seeing us go through terrible times and knowing what sin and, and things do to us and, and saying, okay, I need somebody to go and share this message of who I am and how much I care about these people. And then the chorus is, and, you know, each verse ends with, who shall I send? And then you sing, here I am, Lord, is it I, Lord? And that even that uh, who who uh, shall I send is an echo of the Isaiah story. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of that vision, uh, Isaiah sees God in the throne room surrounded by six-winged seraphs, you know, and they're all calling out to one another. And the voice from on the throne, who will go for us and whom mm-hmm. shall we send? And it's, again, one of those weird, like, we only believe in one God, but God uses the plural and Christians are like, oh, this is the Trinity without being a Trinity. <laughs> uh, or maybe it's the royal we, but yet even that whom shall we send is is an echo mm-hmm. of that Isaiah passage. And 
maybe because this sort of has the sense of being a vision when Isaiah talks about it, um, that he sees that he's in the temple, but this could be a dream or something like that. That imagery of calling in the night, it could be a reference to this like a dream in the night, or it also echoes the calling story like of Samuel, the beginning yeah. of the story of mm -hmm. Samuel, when the little boy hears the voice and his response is, here I am, Lord. Uh, after Eli tells him, when you hear the voice again, it's not me calling you, it's God answer, here I am. Uh, and where you speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Mm -hmm. And how many times in biblical stories, when God calls the faithful responses, here am I, uh, it's even Mary at the Magnificat, here am I, the servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. So this is I... a great, for me, a calling him, you know, yeah. anytime, you know, and I see why you all, if you have a choice in your ordination <laughs> hymns, <laughs> why it gets you so often yeah. for ordinations because you know you, you've answered that call to go in the ministry um just like we use it for lay school you know yeah. when we go forth we had answered the call to go to lay school and to get the training so that we could go forth and do ministry as lay people in the local church yeah now in fairness one of the downsides when church traditions use this and think of it only on that ordination kind of moment or like only in formal official ministry mm -hmm. is it has a way of unintentionally making it seem like, well, these are the only people who do real ministry. These are the ones who get called. And again, like you almost wish that you could have like a unspoken, okay, in this instance, this is why we're using this hymn, but all of us are called this. Our ministries mm -hmm. are different or someone should write a verse or something like that. They'd be like, you know, like, who will go in the midst of their ordinary life and love their neighbor and who is going to be called to share their faith with a friend and who's going to be, you know, serve on the church altar guild. <laughs> so I, I have vague memories of talking about this hymn during confirmation class when I was a student. Okay. Um, and like looking back at it, like it, cause this was one of the hymns that was a favorite in my congregation growing up. Okay. And so I, I kind of remember talking about this when I was in confirmation as a student and it was very much, my pastor was framing it around the question of how is God calling you into ministry? Mm -hmm. yeah. And I was about to make that argument of like, oh, my pastor was trying to be very intentional about like looking at ministry from like all angles. But also I'm kind of wondering if maybe he wasn't trying to start the conversation of like, have you considered seminary? Cause uh -huh, uh -huh. he was having those conversations just with me, but not at that exact moment. Right. So maybe I'm off base. I don't remember. And this is, I doubt that he remembers all these years later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cause it is such a great calling, calling him. Right. Cause yeah. all of the verses are in quotes like they're in yep. quotation marks because they're it's god speaking yeah and it's god saying this is who i am this is what i have done um and this is this is the, my people's needs whom shall i send yep. and then the refrain is us getting to respond yeah. here mm -hmm. i am lord um i both love this hymn and that i it's a great congregation hymn because it is very singable but I almost wish that the verses were less singable so that we would use a leader to oh, sing the verses mm -hmm. that have the congregation only singing the response mm -hmm. to help really emphasizing that this is the congregation, the yeah. community responding. Yeah. We are here. Yeah. How are you using us? Like I am here. We are here. 
we have mm -hmm. heard your call. Now we're going to go and do whatever you're calling us to do um, to really help emphasize that this is our response. It's not just we're singing the music because it's in front of us and the piano or organ is playing <laughs> and therefore we must sing, but rather we are actually responding. Yeah. One of the things that I love about this hymn, and in my experience, people get it real quick that that's what's going on in this hymn, that the verses are God, and it's pretty clear. I, the Lord of such and such, tells you mm -hmm. this is God talking, and that the refrain changes character. That That's something, again, poetry can do, and it sort of teases that drama, it teases that dialogue without it having to be you know, a litany and now the leader does this and now, but like you get it. And it, with any awareness at all, you understand, oh, this is like I'm invited into story and God says this and we respond back this way. I can remember though, being in a church, uh, the church I grew up in and there was some other hymn. I, it wasn't this one, but there's some other hymn that did that where like some of the the verses required you to sort of take on the persona of God to sing. And some people have been really uncomfortable, like, no, we don't get to sing God's you know, voice. We're mm -hmm. only our, and like, I, I get that for some people that, that is uncomfortable to their piety. Uh, but there's something really beautiful, I think, about seeing this as a dialogue, that it's not just sort of out of the blue, I decide, God, aren't you lucky? Because I decided to volunteer for you. But it's always in response to the God who initiates the call. Um, and that, 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 that gives like, uh, validity to our call too. that like yeah my call came from somewhere that it's, it's god who mm -hmm. does the calling into ministry not just sort of i had this neat idea or i was bored and decided maybe i should try this but god is the one who does the calling um and that the, again a poem can do this a, a hymn text can do this in a way that would be awkward if a preacher said now imagine i'm having a conversation with god like that just automatically you've lost me you know like nope that that sounds too fake <laughs> but in a hymn we automatically jump in and we get it you know, the longer I'm in ministry and the more often I sing this song, like I'm I'm reading over these lyrics and some of them, they catch me when I sing them because while, yes, it's God speaking, these are things that I, as God has done for us. I have done some of these same things, you know, like providing bread, feeding people, mm -hmm. right. you know, tending to the poor and lame, um, weeping for love of them. I mean, yeah. how many of us haven't wept for our congregation? Um, whether it be because of a death or, or just a tragic situation or just because maybe even sometimes out of frustration, yeah. um, you know, and it just, like I said, the longer I've been in ministry and when I come and I pick this hymn to be sung on Sunday morning, it just speaks more and more deeply to me every time I sing it. Yeah. Because I realize how much I am trying to fall into the footsteps of God. Yeah. And and caring for God's people the way that God cares for them. One of the things I really love about uh, a rich hymn text like this is that even though the broad brushstrokes are pretty clearly an echo of the stories we mentioned, the Isaiah passage and, and Samuel, mm -hmm. there are little phrases that clearly reflect an awareness and a reference or allusion back to other scriptural passages that sort of like give it a richness. So like that language in the, the one verse, I will break their hearts of stone, give them hearts from love alone. Uh, that's, you know, that's right out of Jeremiah and Ezekiel about, I will mm -hmm. write a new covenant in their hearts and I will break their old hardened, you know, stone hearts and give them new hearts. Mm -hmm. So like that's, that's in the background, but it doesn't have to announce itself. It doesn't have to be like Jeremiah saying, you know, like it, it but it, there is this, mm -hmm. there's such an awareness. There's such a, when you're immersed in that language of the poetry of scripture, it becomes your own second language almost. 
Um, and I, lo I love it when a, when a hymn does that, that there, it, there can be multiple references uh, without having to announce themselves, but they're just there. I'm the Lord of Wind and Flame makes me think yeah. of, is it Elijah? Sure. Or the Pentecost story too. Sure. Or, or Pentecost. Yeah, I didn't think about yeah. Pentecost, but Elijah, you know, where the voice of God isn't in the wind and the flame. Yeah. You know, but it's in that still small voice. Or the, um, the even the opening line, I don't think I'd ever thought about this before, but um, the opening of the Exodus story, when God introduces God's own being to Moses and to the people, it's, you know, mm. tell the people I've heard their cries and God there is yeah. God who has the power over the sea and the sky, parting the waves and the sea. That There's almost like this reminder of like throughout the whole story of the scriptures, this is how God works. God cares about the people and mm -hmm. raises up somebody in answer to a call. Or even Jesus in the boat. Yeah. Uh, and having mm -hmm. power and authority over the elements, mm -hmm. you know, the, the three opening to the three verses, I, the Lord of sea and sky, I, the Lord of snow and rain, I, the Lord of wind and flame, you mm -hmm. know, who has power and authority over the elements? God, yeah. God alone, yeah. you like the three of us, we cannot shout up the sky, stop <laughs> raining and it will stop raining. Well, and if it does, that's coincidence. That is <laughs> us, not us having power. Correlation is not the same as causation. Right? Yes. <laughs> I think there's another thing I love that is a little bit subversive in a really good way about this hymn. And again, I, I don't know that I thought about it before, but like because the way the text is written, it doesn't limit itself to this is a song only for people ordained to official rostered ministry, but there's that mm -hmm. sense of all of us are called, but also that when we sing this in our congregational settings, like men and women sing it and old and young sing it, like that there is this, oh yeah, throughout the Bible, God's calling all kinds of people. And mm -hmm. it's not just, oh, only the men sing this because God only calls men. Although some traditions, you know, notoriously make a fuss about that. Um, or God only uses old people or God only uses when you reach a certain age. And instead, mm -hmm. like you know, the scriptures are full of people like Jeremiah, who's like, no, but I'm too young. And God's like, don't say you're too young. I call you. Um, and Moses is like, well, I don't talk good uh, or I'm too old. Um, and so like that sense of like this call is for everybody. Yeah. Uh, I think also, though, what I struggle like, because I think that that's all true, that yeah. we are all called in some way. Yeah. And but I also think, though. We often resist God's call. Yeah. Well, and that seems to be part of the, the narrative in the scripture, right? That's right. how the story always goes. God calls, the person goes, oh, I'm not worthy, or I'm too young, or me no mm -hmm. talk good. Um, yeah, yeah. So I almost wish that there was a bridge to the refrain. Yeah. Like, not a whole nother verse, because that's God talking, <laughs> and not right. a second refrain, but like just a bridge of just like past, like if you if we could pass this cup from us, Lord, <laughs> like, what about my brother, that, Aaron? That would be great. Yeah. Are you yeah. sure it's me, Lord? Right. Are you sure? I'm going to go jump in this whale's mouth now. <laughs> <laughs> right. I would rather get swallowed by a great fish than do what you say, God. I mean, like, and that notion of the reluctant prophet is also such an mm -hmm. a recurring theme as well. That uh, again, like a hymn like this can't be everything to everybody, but it does kind of simplify. And, if we're going to if we're going to open that can of worms i will open this related can of worms is it in the original passage in isaiah when he responds here i am lord send me and god purifies him so that now he can be the prophet the message he's immediately given then goes on to say now go tell this people um not only of destruction of things they don't want to hear but also 
hearing they won't hear and seeing they mm-hmm. won't perceive. It's like this, like, you're going to, I'm setting you up to be the fall guy, Isaiah. You're going to be the one who brings the message nobody wants to hear. You're going to speak the truth to power that nobody wants to listen to. You're going to announce to them the end of their, you know, religious national regime. Um, and the more you speak faithfully, the less people are going to want to listen. And in a sense, that's an important thing to acknowledge in the Bible, that just because God raises up a spokesperson and they answer the call, doesn't mean mm-hmm. that everybody listens. Quite often, we dig our heels in and don't want to listen to the people God raises up, and we stone them and throw them in cisterns and things like that. And then maybe the flip side is another place we can get into danger, that when people don't listen to us, it's real easy to make us, especially as preachers, the persecuted prophets, rather than maybe I upset somebody, and maybe I should li-. like you know, There's usually a gray in-between place of, I may have dug my heels in on what I thought was a point of conscience, but it also could be I was a jerk, <laughs> and maybe some of both. Uh, I was running across a, a quote the other day that said something like, it may be true that all prophets are pain in the necks, but not all pain in the necks are necessarily prophets. Um, and that seems such an important <laughs> reminder to me that like, mm-hmm. if, if you're going to answer Jesus call, yep, be prepared to be unpopular because he will call us to speak up against uh, things that are popular and nobody wants their boat rocked. On the other hand, being a jerk does not imply it is not necessarily a fruit of the spirit. And like we've said, like you can't put all that in one hymn. This 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 hymn would be depressing to sing by the end, and it would take an hour and a half to put all the nuance in. So it's almost like you need a hymn to have a limited sort of this is the thing I'm trying to get at here. And then on another day we're gonna mm-hmm. sing and it's gonna reflect some other dimension of it. And my guess is somewhere over the course of this conversation, we may look at hymns or texts that sort of look at that sense of there's a cost sometimes to following Jesus or to being the one who speaks up. Um, but uh, that this hymn is able to stay in that place of celebration of I've been called and I'm answering the call and there's something beautiful about that. Are there other things you want us to know or think about about this hymn, Erica? Um, I don't know. I, I just, it's been a while since I've sung this hymn personally and just the depth of it. I, I there's just something about the sim. When I was first really introduced to it, um, it was in a time of calling in my life not to pastoral ministry, at least not that I was aware of. I think other people saw it in me, but I wasn't. I wasn't ready to claim that yet. Um, but every time I sing this, I kind of go back to that moment, mm-hmm. and it it just it gives me the warm fuzzies. Yeah. Um, the heart strangely warmed kind of yeah. <laughs> feeling. Yeah. Um, and, and I think if we really, with this in any hymn, um, when we take the time to kind of digest it and, and pull it apart like we've been doing here, it's not just pretty words with a pretty melody. Yeah. Um, but it it's truly can can speak deeply to an individual, to a congregation, um, and when we connect it back to scripture, then we see connections that maybe we never saw before. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I might have to go and tear this apart and look at all the different sections of it and see where it, cause we said, you know, it's clearly from Isaiah six. Yeah. Um, and you know, an echo of Samuel. Yeah. But there's so many other pieces of scripture in this hymn that it alludes to, 
um, which is the beauty of hymnary and poetry yeah. um, that I have not seen before. Yeah. It would be interesting to explore how, because so many of the hymns that are important to us, like we connect to certain memories or moments, if the scriptures that are connected to our favorite hymns eventually become our favorite scriptures or some of those ones we can mm -hmm. come back to because the, the, the hymn uh, brings it to our awareness. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's true for a lot of people. Well, I will say Isaiah 6, 8 is one of my favorites yeah. um, because of my personal calling. And I don't know if it's because of the hymn or mm -hmm. that came along and then the like, I don't know yeah. the order. Chicken and egg. But yeah. there's definitely a connection between yeah. the two. I had never thought about this before, but looking at the words again, the, the refrain ends with this beautiful line, I'll hold your people in my heart. Mm -hmm. But that comes after verses uh, where God talks about what God's going to do for our hearts. I will give them hearts for love alone. I will provide till their hearts are satisfied. That like There's a sense of, if I'm the person who's, who's promising, I'll love your people and hold them in my heart, God has first done things to my heart to make that possible. That, oh, mm -hmm. I'm one of those people from the earlier verse who had a heart of stone and God has to do something in my heart. And I'm the one who's hungry and God feeds so that my heart is satisfied so that now I am able. Mm -hmm. I think that's another important dimension of call that we don't always talk about that sometimes it's the person who's called they're automatically got all the superpowers when no they're they're a person in need of being loved and accepted now you can speak that word of love and acceptance to others they're we're people who are sinners in need of having our stony hearts broken open and given new hearts um and to see ourselves in multiple places and sometimes pastors who like to use this hymn in their ordinations you know like <laughs> picture themselves ah i'm the one doling out god's good gifts when i'm all oh wait I was first the one who received these good gifts as well. And yeah, I also share them, but I'm also in that place of being on the receiving end as well. And again, a good hymn can recognize I'm in both places at once. And we said how this tends to be used and emphasized with ordinations and professional callings into ministry as a missionary, a pastor, whatever. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in this hymn right. about pastoral ministry. Like, there is, but there is like it doesn't call out directly the things that we typically think of with pastoral ministry or necessarily mission right. work or whatever. Yeah. Again, <laughs> God's doing all the work and we're responding, but like even if we look at some of the things that God is doing, anyone can do that too. Right. You know. Right. Right. And that's part of the beauty of poetry is that each of these metaphors can be taken in a bunch of different ways. So yeah, I will hold your people in my heart. Sounds like the way a pastor might think about, it. yeah, I care for these people and I'm concerned about what's going on in their lives, but anybody also loves the people in their life and would talk mm -hmm. about holding them in their heart. So that, that's part of the beauty of metaphor. And it's that ambiguousness or the way it can take multiple layers of meaning that again, prose doesn't do. I think I'm definitely going to have this song stuck in my head now for a while though, after this discussion. <laughs> because like the lyrics, the lyrics are beautiful as we've talked. Yeah at length but i think that this is one of those those hymns where the music itself is beautiful mm -hmm. so we're going to invite you to let this tune be stuck in your head for the next week until next time we gather with another hymn to unpack and take a deeper look at here on crazy face talk see you bye